Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. I'm Bharati Jagdish. Now, ransomware remains a top cyber risk for organizations globally. While business email compromise incidents are on the rise and they're expected to increase further in the deep fake era. At the same time, don't forget the war in Ukraine and wider geopolitical tensions are a major concern. Hostilities, of course, could spill over into cyberspace and cause targeted attacks against companies, infrastructure or supply chains. And with known this for some time. The Cybersecurity Agency of Singapore recently launched the Internet Hygiene Portal, an initiative under the Singapore Safer Cyberspace Master Plan 2020. The IHP serves as a one-stop platform for enterprises, providing them with easy access to resources and self-assessment tools so that they can adopt internet security best practices in their journey. Authorities and companies pulling out all the stops to tackle cyber criminals and central to all of this is data protection as well. To share more, Matthew Oostveen, Chief Technology Officer and Vice President, Asia Pacific and Japan at Pure Storage, joins us. Hi, Matthew. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. Hi, Bharati. Thanks for having me. So, Matthew, according to a new report from Allianz Global Corporate and Specialty, scammers are getting more sophisticated. This is not news at all, right? I mean, business email compromise attacks continue to rise, facilitated by growing digitalization, the available of data as well. And don't forget the shift to remote working, increasingly deep fake technology, virtual conferencing. So tell me more about how all of these things have complicated the issue further. Well, you know, for as long as we've had computers, people have tried to illegally access them. And, you know, in the past, that process was a lot more simple because the fact was that we had fewer systems. But in the last decade, and particularly over the last number of years, We've bore witness to this Cambrian explosion in the number of systems that support our data. And this is exactly what the cyber criminals want. They want our valuable data. So one kind of new form, I suppose, of cyber attack is this ransomware attack that we're seeing. And in fact, last year, uh, this type of attack increased by 100%. So for companies and for people and for individuals that are looking to protect themselves against this, It's demanded a new uh, posture when it comes to security, Uh, this new view that we need to make the backups uh, of our data and of the information that we store within our information uh, inside our organizations immutable. So in other words, we need backup files that can't be altered or can't be deleted. It's really only solving half the problem, of course, because companies, you know, they need to be able to prove resiliency by recovering and and restoring uh, these backups more quickly than they can do at the moment. The thing is, some reports have shown that companies in Singapore specifically tend to focus more on recovery than on prevention. Have you found this to be true? I think uh, maybe it's the other way around. You know, organizations seem to be you know, doing their best to try and, and separate that paradigm of, of us versus them. Because this is the way that we've traditionally thought about security. Uh, but, you know, today with, uh, you know, this rise of, of social media, Uh, but with uh, handheld devices, with the fact that we're working from home. This concept of us versus them uh, has really changed the paradigm. So I think organisations today are trying to be somewhat predictive, I suppose, in in their ability to be able to prevent uh, issues, but also 
uh, they need to be able to recover because we know that it takes an extraordinary amount of time for an organization to be able to uh, back up the amount of, uh, of data that they produce on a daily basis. And it takes uh, you know, often a factor of 10 uh, times longer to be able to recover that information as well. So you know, there's really two parts of this equation that need to be focused upon. With all this talk about the dangers of cyber attacks and ransomware in particular, you would think that companies would have already adopted a healthy posture and would have taken the necessary steps to protect their data and to develop a resilient enough framework in the event of an attack. However, the CSA report found that SMEs in Singapore have been the main targets of ransomware attacks. I mean, clearly, and I'm guessing here, and I believe it's quite an accurate guess, the criminals think SMEs are just easier to attack. Their defences are not as strong. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I do agree. And of they course, think it, but is it true? <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, broadly it is true as a general statement. Of course, it's mm. always going to depend on a, a number of different factors. But, you know, broadly speaking, an SME, a small organisation, lacks budget. They lack the skills of a larger organisation. And the larger organisations we find, they're typically really well advised. You know, they have great consultants, they have great suppliers. But let's be honest, uh, we're talking about crime here. This is the crime world. It's not a place for honourable people. You know, these criminals prey on weak and vulnerable. They, they go after what they think is going to be a softer target. So they tend to go after smaller and medium organisations because their defences just aren't quite as strong as, as a larger organisation. But we need to remember, of course, that a ransomware attack that I was talking about earlier uh, they still go after large organisations too. I mean, we can only look to Australia, you know, uh, the, the uh, carrier Optus, which is a subsidiary of Singtel. Yeah. They had a massive, a massive uh, a breach uh, just the other week. Uh, so the, we know that the cyber criminals, yes, they're going after SMEs, but they are still going after the larger organisations. So size doesn't necessarily protect you. So let's talk about the budget question, because... Even if an SME wanted to take those steps, they'll find it challenging, right? Considering budgets, manpower and that sort of thing. Do you have ways, suggestions at least, on how to make it easier for them? And do you, in your own field, help to make it easier when it comes to data protection? Well, it's a really complicated uh, subject, you know. It's, it's uh, you know, this idea of, of protecting information is, is incredibly important. And it's very difficult to quantify uh, and understand how much money you should be spending on this. Because in many ways, organisations view it as, as some kind of insurance policy uh, that they hope they never have to claim against. Uh, the reality is that there is so much for an organisation to lose if there is a breach that occurs, that it's really important that they uh, you, you know, take a lot of the steps uh, to protecting themselves and to investing uh, against these kind of breaches from occurring. Uh, you know, once again, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, we saw in the last couple of weeks a breach occur within Australia. Once again, uh, it was uh, Medibank. It's a private insurance company, a health insurance company. Uh, and uh, they had a hack where, you know, lots of patient information, customer information was made public. Now, what did it cost them? Well, there's different ways to measure that. But if we look at the response from the stock market, because they're listed on the ASX, their shares plummeted by around about 20%. Now, that amounts to around $1.5 billion drop in their market capitalization. So, you know, th thinking about how to spend appropriately and pulling those resources together, it needs to be prioritized within an organization because we know that it breaks those bonds of just the IT department and extends 
to impacting the very core of organizations and companies. So it should have the attention of the board. It should have the attention of the CEO. And it should be spent, or the appropriate amount of spending should be associated with that to protect the organization from these types of things from happening. Right. You, Of course, when you go in, you have to make a business case for it and show them that it can be done also in a cost-effective manner, yeah? Yeah, and, and that's that's difficult to quantify, isn't it? You're drawing a long bow if you're putting together a business case that says this could potentially cost us $1.5 billion, and yet that's exactly what happened. So, you know, pragmatism should win out in the end. But, but I also think that, uh, you know, people need, people within organisations uh, need to be better at articulating what the precise challenges are and what the vulnerabilities and risks are for any given company. Now, ransomware as a service, the model is becoming more and more common, isn't it? And some experts have pointed out that it's actually a very lucrative model with little to no risk involved for the criminals because they often operate in countries that don't have an extradition treaty and they can operate with near impunity. What do you think can be done about this? I mean, clearly, these risks are borderless. We need better legal frameworks, don't we? Yeah, and international cooperation as well. Look, I think it's important to remember that the web as a whole is filled with these murky back alleys that you know, people like you and me and most of your listeners would never come across. And these little murky back alleys, they're, they're infested with these go-betweens that connect regular people to criminals. And that's what we're seeing with this ransomware as a service business model, if you will, that's on the rise. And, and I personally find the behavior abhorrent, but there's no denying that there's quite an enterprising nature in human beings. Because mm. <laughs> what they've done is they've changed this as a service business model uh, to you know, connect these ransomware operators, you know, the people that know how to commit the crime itself with affiliates, you know, regular people that don't actually possess the, the technical know-how to be able to execute on it. But I think the point of your question also was the concern that this raises because in the past, you know, hackers needed strong technical knowledge. It, it was a different domain. With RAS uh, or you know, ransomware as a service, any enterprising criminal can launch an attack. Now, that threat spectrum has been greatly amplified. And in many ways, and I hate to say this, but they've actually democratized uh, hacking mm. and brought it in, into the, the, the mainstream. So, yeah, it's absolutely a, a concern. Uh, and uh, this is probably one of the driving reasons why we're seeing such a huge increase in ransomware attacks over the last year. So let's talk about modern data protection, because this is actually something that can help. Uh, tell us how you operationalize this for businesses, some of the blind spots that they have and how you address them with your solution. Yeah, sure. Um, so you remember years ago, there was an Economist magazine headline and it said that, you know, data was the new oil. And a lot of the people that I talked to really took this to heart and they pretend that data is the new oil. And, and to be frank, it's not. I mean, mm. today what we've learned is that data is like uranium. You know, it is super useful if it's used correctly. And it's incredibly dangerous to just have laying about. So data protection strategies are incredibly important. You know, to put simply, data protection uh, is something that should be scribed across an organization to stop any type of data security threat. And we have an ethos, right? We have an ethos which is around uh, safeguarding systems, around the separation of us and them, uh, and utilizing these modern data protection strategies to be able to at least proactively, uh, you know, understand what is happening inside a system to predict what could be happening next and then utilizing strategies like say routine upgrades uh, better technology predictive artificial intelligence uh, and machine learning algorithms to stay on top of the threat spectrum 
But aside from the technology, people matter, right? Their behavior matters. Mm. So we're talking about internet hygiene. What exactly should organizations be doing in order to ensure that all their people are aware of the safety measures they need to take? I mean, how do they guard against business email compromise incidents? You know, things like that. Well, this is where you need to stay vigilant. Uh, so organizations should be you know, consistently running these tests across their company, uh, checking their people, ensuring that people are understanding what the threat is, uh, how they could be compromised, what the implications are for the organization. I mean, every couple of months inside the office here at the Pure Storage, uh, the alarm bell rings and we do a fire drill. Uh, we, we as an organization will, will, will go outside and we'll wait and, and run through that process because we know that there's a potential threat from you know, being harmed by a fire. Well, the, the potential threat from being hacked, of course, is many, many times higher than uh, a fire within the building. So it's really important that your people are trained, that they understand uh, what are the threats, how they look and how they can avoid them. I know that we do this internally at Pure. Uh, so we have our IT teams send out suspicious emails with links that people shouldn't be clicking on, for example, just to make sure that we remain vigilant. Finally, Matthew, some tips for organizations that have not developed a proper data protection strategy yet or an internet hygiene strategy yet. What are the key factors that they need to consider as they develop one? Well, I I think you want to start thinking proactively. You've got to be on the front foot here. Ask the question, does your company have a CISO? So it's a chief information and security officer. I guess if you're asking this question, more than likely uh, the the answer is no. Uh, So you really want to be able to identify those most valuable and critical digital assets inside your organization. You know, quantify the financial impact. What's going to happen if you're breached? Now, it's really difficult, of course, to quantify it. We know those numbers are, you know, frighteningly high. But I think also... Senior leaders, your listeners right now that are in a position to be making decisions around security should give themselves what I call an invisible first KPI. And that KPI is to stay out of the news. If your organization is on the front page of the news, uh, it's more than likely going to be for a negative uh, reason. And the imperative for senior leadership and for boards is to make sure that the decisions that they make inside their companies protects the organization, protects the market capitalization, protects the the image and the great reputation that many organizations have to ensure that they aren't on the front page of any given newspaper around the region. Mm, Not for all the wrong reasons anyway. Thank you so much, Matthew. Really appreciate your time today. Matthew Oostveen is Chief Technology Officer and VP of APAC and Japan at Pure Storage. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.